We're going to continue our series today on values of the cross. And this is the seventh uh, sermon in that series. There are ten values we have listed. And it is, of course, a play on words. It's not every value of the cross or people of the cross, but it's specifically values of cross church. And, of course, these ten things, which are probably more than most churches would have. Some say you shouldn't have more than three, and some have, uh, you know, seven or eight. And as I was in process of getting ready to come to Olathe, as I thought through and prayed through what kind of church should we be, what kind of church did God want us to be, these were ten things that I identified, and of course these are multifaceted, they're not limited to just uh, necessarily the specific aspect that I preach about, but they are uh, more widespread and have multiple applications for our use. So I'm going to be reading uh, from Mark chapter 9. I'm going to read two passages of Scripture today. So Mark chapter 9, verse 33, says this, Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Who would be the greatest? And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Then Luke chapter 22, verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Now these are, just pause here, these are not parallel passages. There is a parallel passage to uh, the Mark 9, and that is in Luke chapter 9. They're, they're the same story told different ways. So this is not a parallel passage. This is the second time they've had this dispute about who would be the greatest. And, and I'll talk a little bit about that down the road. And he said to them, verse 25, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So today I'm going to preach for just a little bit about kingdom service. Kingdom service. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I like to eat. That's not a surprise if you've known me. Uh, and I, I frequently reference food in my messages uh, just because I like to eat. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking of a, a scenario where you're in a restaurant and people are serving you. And 
Sometimes you, you have really good servers. Sometimes you have poor servers. And when you have a good one or a bad one, they stand out to you. There was a Longhorn restaurant in St. Louis. It was by the Mills Mall there in Hazelwood, Bridgeton area. And we would frequent Longhorn. Uh, we, we went there quite a bit. And there was a server who was very outgoing. He was very uh, articulate. Man, he, he knew everything on the menu. He took care of you. I mean, he was very attentive. One of the best servers I've ever had. And, and so he stuck out in my mind because he did such a great job. And when he quit and went somewhere else, it was like, man, what happened to him? Because we always wanted to get him because of his good service. Now, I've been in other restaurants where you're like, uh, come on, we need, we need refills here. We need something else. We, we, they're just not very attentive or maybe they're too busy and they, they don't have enough time to take care of everybody appropriately. But when you have a bad server, that stands out. And, and in this scenario, typically the one at the table is the, the one who, as Jesus just said, is the greater because they're being served by somebody else. And so we think of serving as less than the best. But Jesus said that he is not the one sitting at the table. He is the one serving. And, and we'll talk about what that means to emulate Jesus and to be like Jesus when we serve. I've heard about this restaurant. It's called Ed DeBevix. Uh, it's in Chicago. I've got a number of friends in Chicago. And they are intentionally bad servers. And so when you go in there, they're intentionally rude to you. They're not going to treat you well. They're not going to be, oh, what can I get for you, sir or ma'am? It's like, what do you want? And so they're intentionally rude, and I mean, you don't need to eat that much. What's, what's wrong? Whatever it happens to be, and so they're intentionally rude, and I, I'm not sure that I, I think it would be fun to go and visit there one time, but I'm sure it would get old after a while. There's a place in Branson, Missouri, as I understand it. My parents live in Branson. And if you pull your phone out at the table, they'll just take your phone away. You know, no phones at the table. And they're, they're not polite about it, but they're intentionally rude. And I, I don't know that I would like that scenario uh, unless I was, of course, being the one rude. And then I guess it's okay. You get to live out and get paid to be rude. Wouldn't that be awesome? And not Christian, but it might be kind of, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be cool or not. But, but serving is... Something that we, we see all of the time, whether it's restaurants or the service industry where people are doing something for you. And in this culture, they typically are going to get paid for that. Not necessarily so in the Bible culture. There is a story of a person doing some serving, though, and Jesus tells this story. It is the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus, he who was dead, and Jesus raised back to life. And so one day Jesus is coming to Bethany. It is the town where they live. He comes to their town, and Mary and Martha hear that Jesus is coming. And so Martha decides she wants to make a big feast. She wants to put on a big spread. She wants to do all of this work because she wants to take care of Jesus. She wants to serve Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, she goes and sits at the feet of Jesus, and she is learning, and she is spending time with him. She's, she's uh, getting all she can from his visit. She realized that the visit is not about whether we can look good and have a great spread and, and put on some good food and go, man, that was awesome at, at Mary and Martha's house. But Mary's like, 
It's just about spending time with Jesus. So she, she's spending time with Jesus. Well, well, Martha gets upset about the fact that Mary is sitting in there with Jesus and she's not helping. Anybody ever had a party and you're like the only one doing anything and you get upset? Like, where's everybody else helping? I've been there, done that. And, and so, so Martha comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, Jesus, she's not helping me. Tell her to get up and go and help me take care of this meal and get everything prepared. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Now, now anytime Jesus uses a word back to back, truly, truly, you need to take note. Or in this case, Martha, Martha, like Martha, what is wrong with you? And he says to Martha, he says, Martha, you are encumbered about, King James, you are encumbered about with a great many things. You're, you're busy doing all of this serving. You're busy doing all of these things. But Mary has chosen that better part. Mary has chosen the good thing. And what he says is that good thing. And specifically, he says, Mary has chosen the best thing because she is spending time with me. I'm here not to get a meal. But I'm here to spend time with you, and you're busy doing all of this. And he says, Mary has chosen that good part. So in light of that story, in light of that story that Jesus tells, or that's recorded in the Gospels, I mean, is serving bad? Is, is, is serving something that we shouldn't be doing? We just need to spend all of our time with Jesus and or, or what do we do? How, how should we serve? And why should we serve? And is it really okay to be serving and being busy about the, the, the business of the kingdom instead of just spending time with Jesus? And so we want to look at all of that. This passage that I read to you in Luke, it is during the Passion Week. It is just before Jesus is going to do the Last Supper and He's going to be uh, crucified in just a few in a couple of days, and at that point, they're having this discussion. The passage in Mark, it is much earlier in Jesus' ministry, and it's the parallel passage, as I mentioned, is Luke nine forty six through 48. So I, I want to look at the idea of serving, and I would submit to you that being in the kingdom of God requires serving in the kingdom. Being in the kingdom requires serving in the kingdom and I primarily want to answer this question why should I serve in the kingdom look at your neighbor and say why should I serve in the kingdom well you can do it you can say it out loud why should I serve in the kingdom the first reason that you should serve in the kingdom is because the bible commands us to serve in the kingdom now, you can find the, the highlight of my notes in the, Bible, in the church app if you want to follow along. You can do that there. But, but Jesus tells us through his word that we should serve in the kingdom. Not, I guess maybe not should, but that we must serve in the kingdom because a command is an imperative. And he says that we must do that. But Jesus uses a variety of phrases to talk about serving and servitude and, and being a servant. When it comes to the parable of the talents, the one is given five, the one is given two, one is given one talent, and he comes back, and the first two have multiplied their talents, the last one has not done it. 
But with the first two, what does Jesus say to them? He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've done it well. You have served well. You have been faithful. You have done good. And, and, and I would tell you that at the end, when we get to heaven, we are looking for him to say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if he's going to say that, that means we actually have to serve. If you haven't served, you can't be a good servant. Because servants serve. Jesus said, he that would be greatest among you must be servant of all. It was in the parallel passage, but if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, what you have to do is serve. It's counterintuitive. But most things in the kingdom of God are counterintuitive. They're countercultural. Nobody in our culture today, unless they're following biblical principles, would say, well, the way to get to the top of the ladder is to serve everybody. Do you know anybody that would say that? Anybody in the corporate world that would be like, man, well, if I want to be CEO, then I just need to serve. Unless they're following biblical principles, that's not what they're going to do. If they want to be at the top of the ladder, then what our culture says is step on everybody and stab them in the back and do whatever you can to get ahead. But Jesus says if you want to be the greatest, you've got to serve everybody. Counterintuitive. He also said this, that he who is faithful in little will be put in charge of much. That if you're a faithful servant in just a little area or just a little thing, then you will, be in, you will be given greater things to oversee and to be a part of. Galatians 5, 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. He has called us to serve. And it's an imperative here. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to serve one another. Over and over the scripture tells us to serve one another. To serve people of the kingdom. And specifically in most of the verses it's not about just serving in general. But it's about serving the kingdom of God. Serving the people in the kingdoms. Being involved in the work of the kingdom. So Jesus has commanded us to serve through his word. Secondly, we serve because he has equipped us to serve. Jesus has equipped us. Everyone has a talent or an ability. No matter, no matter how untalented you may be or think you may be, everybody has something that they can do. They have something that they're good at. I just heard this yesterday. Somebody uh, somebody was preaching, and it's like, man, you, you can go to the Guinness Book of World Records, and there's somebody that's good at just about everything. Even if it's not worth being good at, they can be good at it. And in the kingdom of God, everybody has a talent, and everybody can do something for the kingdom. Everybody has a way in which they can serve the kingdom. And God has given gifts to everyone and a way to serve there are, there are about four different passages in the Bible, I'm going to look at two of them briefly, to talk about spiritual gifts. And these are gifts that God has given. And, and, and people look at these gifts in various ways, and we're, we're going to look at some additional 
gifts uh, next week. But they, they look at them in different ways as motivational gifts or abilities or a variety of things that, uh, that you do. And, and there's all kind of spiritual gift inventories, just, just like there are all kind of personality inventories and testings. And the Enneagram is like the, the, the big current thing which looks at your motivation you want to know your Enneagram type, see Anthony, he's, he's like an expert at just looking at people and figuring out what they are. He studied this, and he gets, everywhere he goes, he, get, he manages to get people interested in the Enneagram. I somehow have resisted actually taking the test. I'm just going, I'm an eight, and that's the end of it. So you don't, you, if, unless you know about the Enneagram, you don't know what an eight is. But once Anthony tells you, then you can decide if I'm actually an eight with some kind of wing out there somewhere. And uh, but, but there's all, just like there's all these personality types and personality ways of, of analyzing us, there are spiritual gifts, and these, these are not exhaustive lists of spiritual gifts, or exhaustive lists of, of ways in which God has equipped us. But, but first Peter says this, chapter 4, verse 10, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Whatever gift you've got, use it to minister to one another. And I'll just tell you this, the word minister is the same as the word serve. So in essence, you hear people talk about everybody is a minister. That's what the scripture said. Everybody is supposed to serve. And by serving, you are a minister serving someone else. So minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he lists out a few of these. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. So if you speak or if you minister or whatever it is you do, do it all to the glory of God, because he has equipped us to do it. He has given us these gifts, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let me pause there. All of us have gifts. They're all different according to the grace that is given to us. Now, I, don't, I didn't really intend to elaborate on this too much, but let me just say it this way. When he says, you have gifts according to the grace given to us. Some people need more grace than other people. And, and it may be that you have a lesser gift or a lesser talent, a lesser ability, whatever that is. And so God gives you uh, abilities and he gives you these gifts according to the grace that you need. And sometimes people are super talented and they need God's grace to keep from being exalted and lifted up and going, look at me and how good I am and taking all the credit for what God has done. All of us need grace in one sense or the other. We need grace if we're not very good and we need grace if we are very good. Because we need God to help us keep us humble and we need God to, to help us to be willing to step out there and, and do what it is that he has called us to do. And so then he elaborates, he says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. And once again, that is the word serving. He who teaches, let him do it in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads, do it with diligence. And he who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. 
Once again, the Bible never has an exhaustive list. When it goes through lists, it's never exhaustive. But, but he, he goes all the way from things such as prophecy and teaching and exhorting to just giving or showing mercy. That all of us have some level of gift. It could be the way in which we're like compassionate. And the, the way in which when people mess up, we're like, man, let me help you out. Let me come alongside you. And let me, let me take care of you. Let me help you get over this and get to the next thing. That whatever it is, all of us have gifts that we can use for the kingdom. And so what I would tell you is, regardless of what level of ability or what type of ability, we are to use the gifts God has given us to serve the kingdom. He has wired us in a certain way, and so we use that to serve the kingdom. I, I know enough about many of you that are here to, that I can be around you for a little bit, and, and, and I, I know enough, not about the Enneagram, but other things, and I can do some personality typing and go, okay, yeah, this person is, uh, you know, if you use the disc scale, this person is a D or an I or an S or C, or if you use the old choleric, melancholy, that kind of deal. And, and, and kind of pigeonhole people, not necessarily in a bad way, but just say this is what their personality is. Man, they would be great at doing this. It's like, you know, when you, you don't want greeters to be people that don't like people. What did you do coming here today? Is that, is that the best you got to wear today? Why are you, whatever. You, you, don't, you want people that are people persons. People that are people persons, man. Let's, let's tweet that out. You need, but you want somebody that's a people person to be at the, at the door going, hey, we're glad you're here, welcome. Now, you don't want them to be so sanguine that they, don't, they forget that they're supposed to be at the door greeting people and be over there talking to somebody else. So you, but you have gifts and you have abilities, and God has wired us in certain ways, and we are to use those giftings and the way he's wired us in the kingdom. And let me lastly, on this point, throw this out, that don't hold back because you're not as good as someone else. I, I don't really want to be up leading worship. You probably picked that up from the 500 times I said it. But you know what? It's passable. We can get by. I, I don't forget the words too much. Just once, if I'm looking at the screen or looking at the wrong screen, and then I forget where I was on my tablet or whatever it happens to be. But, but I, could, I could say, well, you know what? I'm not very good, and they're not very good. They're not very good. None of us will do it because we don't have the best. But it's like, just do it. Just get involved. Just do something with the, in the kingdom. Just use the gifts that God has given us to be at work in the kingdom and serving in the kingdom of God. And if you mess up, you mess up. I, I've known people that would be like, well, I'm not going to do it because I'm not as good as those people. And, and they, they act like it's humility, but the reality is it's pride. Since I'm not as good as them, people may look down on me because I didn't do it as well. And so they refuse to do something in the kingdom, not out of humility because they're not any good, but out of pride because they don't want to look bad been there done that way too many times and in fact what i would tell you in, in this moment of transparency for the millions watching online is that 
The fact that I bring up that I, I, I don't sing very well, I don't want to lead worship, that's got nothing to do with humility. I just want you to know that I know that I'm not very good. And if you know that I know that I'm not very good, then you don't think that I'm all that. Or you don't think that I think that I'm all that. I'm like, hey, I'm not very good at this. That's pride. That's not humility. But God has given us gifts and abilities and talents. And he has, because he has equipped us with those things, we're supposed to use them in the kingdom. That is what we are to do, is to use our gifts to serve the kingdom. So he has commanded us to do it. He has equipped us to do it. Thirdly, we serve because Jesus is the focus of our serving. See, kingdom service is about serving the king. It's not about serving yourself. It's not, even, it's not about serving me. And ultimately what Jesus says is it's not even about serving others, but whenever you serve, you're really serving the king. That he is the focus of our serving. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. That it's all about Jesus. It's not about Cross Church. It's not about Mark Blackburn. It's not about you. It should all be about the king. That everything we do is about Jesus Christ. And so when we clean the bathroom or we clean the, the foyer or we do whatever, we're doing it for the king. We're doing it because he is the one who is going to get glorified. He is the one that's going to be uh, exalted because of my serving and your serving. Jesus says this. He said, if you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. That if you visit somebody in prison, or you give a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, or, or you clothe someone that is naked, he says, you have not done it just for them, you have done it unto me. And I think I said naked correctly, instead of like I would do it if I was in Louisiana, you'd be like naked. <laughs> it's like any. But he said, if somebody needs clothes, guess what? If you give them clothes, you clothe them, or you give them water, you visit them, you have done it unto me. That he is the focus of our serving. I'm not doing it just for them. I'm not doing it so I feel good about myself. I'm not doing it so I can be glorified. I'm doing it for the king. That I serve because the king wants me to serve. And I serve because the king is going to be glorified when I serve. Ultimately, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus is not here physically any longer. And so when we serve, we are his hands and we are his feet. We are, we are bringing him to the world. We are bringing him to others. Therefore, we do it in his name and he is the one who is glorified. We are the ones who show Jesus' love to the world by how we interact with people. This is not about volunteer requirements. This is not about a church that says, well, we want everybody to volunteer. No, this is about serving the king. This is about doing something for Jesus Christ, doing what he has asked us to do and doing what he has equipped us to do and doing it ultimately for him. Now, there are a lot of people outside of the church that serve in any number of ways. I mean, there are charities all over the place. Many of them have no biblical foundation, no, no God-centric purpose whatsoever, and they serve in 
and, and I'm glad they serve. But they're not doing it for the king. They're doing it so they can feel good or they can feel like they're making a difference. I'm not doing it so I can feel like I made a, good, a difference. I'm doing it because he's the king and he says that I should do it and I want to bring his love to those around me. It's not about just meeting some requirement. It's about making myself feel good. And when you serve to, pre- to please yourself or when you serve to be recognized... But Jesus said, and I I will use what he said in the Sermon on the Mount about praying or fasting or giving of alms. He says, when you do it publicly and you want everybody to see that you've done it, if your purpose is so people will see, he says, guess what? You've got your reward. But if you do it in secret, then he's going to reward you later. And And you can serve in secret, but majority, you can't greet at the door in secret. You can't play an instrument in secret. You can't play, you can't uh, run the sound and stuff in secret, except it's, it's so dark back there you can barely see them. It's almost in secret. And so it's not about doing it where nobody knows, but it's about doing it for the right reason. It's about doing it for the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that he will be glorified in what we do and in our service to the kingdom. We serve, fourthly, because serving emulates Jesus. Serving makes us like Jesus. Jesus was a servant. John 13, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. He's like, you're calling me teacher, and you call me Lord. And he said, that's exactly right, that's what I am. He says, but if I then be your Lord and teacher, I have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. Jesus said, I'm serving, doing one of these low tasks. And if I would do that, he says, then you ought to do it as well. Jesus emulates and he, he, he shows this example, he exemplifies being a servant in a variety of ways. And in this particular instance, he's talking about him washing people's feet. Now understand the culture in which they're living. They're wearing sandals of some sort. They are in a a society, there are no cars, there's no trucks, there's animals. And so everywhere you go, you walk unless you had a lot of money and then you could ride in some kind of chariot or whatever. But almost everyone walked everywhere that they went, which means when you get to somewhere, your feet are covered with dirt and dust and grime and they're wearing robes, and, and who knows how far up it, the dust and dirt and grime would go. But in addition to that, because there's animals everywhere, you got some dusty dung and a few other things, and all these things that are mixed in. It's kind of nasty. And so when you would go to somebody's house, they would want to wash your feet. The servants would wash your feet to get them clean so you could go in their house. And Jesus says, That's what I've done to show you what it means to be a servant. And he says, you also ought to serve one another. And in this culture, that culture, he said, wash one another's feet. 
If there's no servant there, then you do it. Many of you are probably going, I'll, be, I'll wash my own feet. Thank you. But he's, see, he's setting an example, and when we serve, we are emulating Jesus. I read the text from Luke 22 about who would be the greatest. And you have the disciples walking. This is the second time they're walking down the road. They're on their way into Jerusalem, and they, they've, they've been discussing among themselves. There's 12 of them. And so anytime you have people, you got, man, we, which one of us is going to be the second in command of Jesus? That's what they're really saying. They're trying to be like, who is going to be the greatest? Now, I don't know if, if Jesus really hears them. The Bible just says he knows that they were doing this. And he says, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them who exercise authority over them who call, are called benefactors. And he said, the way the, the way it works outside of the kingdom of God is that people are in charge and they lord it over those who are not in charge. He said, but not so among you who are in the kingdom. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he says, he who sits at the table or he who serves is not the one who sits at the table Yet I am among you as one who serves. And Jesus said once again, I'm coming as the servant. I didn't come to be served, but I have come to serve. And he says, I'm putting myself voluntarily in a lower position to serve you. I'm Lord. I'm, I'm king over all the universe. I'm, I'm the God of everything. But I am coming as a servant. And so when we serve, we're being like Jesus. When we serve and we help others and when we serve in the kingdom, we're being like Jesus. And that is exactly what he's called us to do and to be is to be like him. So when we serve, we do that. Mark 10 records a, another interesting story. This is really at least the third story. Mark 9, they're disputing on who's going to be the greatest Luke 9 is that same parallel. Then Luke 22, they're talking about it. But then in Mark chapter 10, the mother of James and John, she gets into the argument about who's going to be greater. She's got two boys. They're called, their, their nicknames are Sons of Thunder. And I don't know whether that's because they were loud or because their dad was loud. So they're the Sons of Thunder, but... She comes to Jesus and she's like, hey, when you come to your kingdom, I, I want my sons, one to sit at your right hand and one to sit at your left hand. I mean, everybody's always wanting to climb the ladder. They're always wanting to be the greatest. And Jesus called them to himself. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be, and he takes it a step further, shall be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life a ransom 
from any. That when we serve in the kingdom, we are emulating Jesus Christ. So why should we serve in the kingdom today? We serve because he commanded us to serve. We serve because he has equipped us to serve. We, we serve because Jesus is the focus of our service and because serving emulates Jesus. There he is. This last verse I read, he didn't come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life a ransom for all. It is the greatest act of service that the God of the universe would come in the form of a man would humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul said it this way in Philippians 2, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it, who being in the form of man, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon himself the form of a servant. He went to the cross so that you and I could have eternal life. That he died in our place. It is the ultimate act of serving that he who is Lord of all would die in our place. An earthly ruler would say, you could die in your own place. Or if you need somebody to die, I'll, I'll give you one of my servants or one of my slaves. But the God of the universe said, I didn't come to be served, I have come to serve. I have come for the express purpose of giving myself as a ransom for all to die in the place of those who deserve death so that they could have eternal life. I don't know if you fully, all of you have fully grasped the, the concept of substitutionary atonement. But atonement means that it is the payment for something that is owed. It is the payment for something that is due to someone. And so to atone is to make right that which is wrong or to make the payment for that which is owed. And of course, substitutionary means it is a substitute in place of the person who owes it. That you and I owe a great payment and penalty for our sin. That through our sinfulness, our, our sinful life, our, our just being born as humans because of Adam's sin, we are all in need of redemption. We are all sinners in need of God's forgiveness. And what justice would say is that we should pay for our own sin. But the one who the penalty is owed to, who is the Lord of the universe, he says, if you pay for your sin, then that's the end of it. Because the penalty and the payment for sin is death. And if, if you die as a payment for your sin, then 
That's it. But he says, if I can pay the penalty for you, then you don't have to die. So Jesus went to the cross, the greatest of all acts of service. He goes to the cross and he takes the penalty for my sin and for your sin, and he pays it at the cross. But because he's the God of the universe, it doesn't stop there. That his death on the cross wasn't final. That his death on the cross wasn't the end of the story. But on the third day, he was resurrected. And our penalty for sin was paid as he took our place. But now, because he's alive, we get to live and we get to have everlasting life with him as long as we're in the proper relationship with him. Aren't you thankful that he is a servant? Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't come to be served and say, do this and do that, but I will take your place and I will die on the cross on your behalf that your penalty for sin will be paid and you can live with me forever. Anybody thankful for what Jesus Christ has done on the cross today? Why don't we stand together and as Kai comes and gets ready to, to sing. But we are to be servants. We are to be involved in kingdom service. So I have three things that I want you to do after you leave here today. I'm going to give you a moment to respond in the service. But what I want you to do when you leave is serve the king. Constantly be involved in serving the king and, and doing that through worship and through relationship with him. You can't have a good relationship with someone if you just see them every once in a while. And so relationship with Jesus is not about just coming on a Sunday or coming to church, but it's a daily, ongoing relationship. So do that through worship and relationship with Jesus. But secondly, I want you to serve the kingdom. The primary way that you serve the kingdom is through your involvement at the local church and specifically at Cross Church here. So if you're not involved, we have all kinds of ways to get you involved. See me and we'll, we'll talk through that. You can look at the website, other ways to get involved. But lastly, I want you to serve those who should be in the kingdom. serve those who are not yet in the kingdom but they need to be in the kingdom so what do I mean I mean I want you to live the great commission that when you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and when you're, you're trying to make a disciple of somebody you're reaching out to those who should be in the kingdom they're not yet and you're inviting them in and you're helping them find a way to get in you're serving them as they come into relationship with the king but also you need to live out the great commission which is to love God and to love your neighbor and that means that you serve people you help people keep in mind it's not just evangelism but Jesus he says whoever visits someone in prison you do it unto me if you give a cup of water to somebody in need, you give 
unto me. And so we need to show that love of Jesus to those around us, people who are less fortunate or people that are just having a, a bad day or, or maybe it's people that are doing great. But you just want to show the love of Jesus to them, serve those who should be in the kingdom. I'm going to invite you, crowd's a little down for a variety of reasons, but I'm going to invite you to come around the front just as an act of faith and commitment. Stay socially distanced. But I want you to come around the front, and I, I want you to do a couple of things. Not only commit to these, but I want you to thank God for what he has done in your life. Thank God that he has taken the, your place on the cross, that you could have life, that he has served you. And then I want you to pray that God would help you to be a servant in the kingdom of God. Would you do that as they begin to sing? Would you make your way up here just for a moment? And would you talk to the Lord together? Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for what you did for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for serving us that you came not to be served or not to serve but to, to help us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be the people that you've called us to be, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to serve you effectively, to serve your kingdom and to be involved in the kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to serve those outside of the kingdom, Lord, that need you. God, we need you today. We want your presence and power to be at work. in your kingdom and you have allowed us Lord to emulate you when we serve and that you have allowed us to glorify you through our service to the kingdom to our service to you and to others Lord I pray that you would help us to live this out as a church that, that we wouldn't be satisfied just to come and attend Lord but we want to be involved in your kingdom we want to be involved in your work in the world we want to work with you 
not just for you, but we want to work with you, Lord, as you reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, in this local assembly, no matter what the task is or no matter what ways people can serve, all of it, Lord, is designed so that others can come to know you. It's all designed, Lord, that others will be attracted to you and want to be in relationship with you. Be at work in us, I pray. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done and thank you for allowing us to be here today and for manifesting your presence and your power among us. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. And everybody said amen. Greet seven or eight people. God bless you. Let's go in Jesus' name. Have a great day. We'll see you Thursday. And keep Fall Fest on November 8th in mind.